On this episode of The Playbook, I have one of the two greatest recruits in college basketball of all time at Michigan State. Yes, Magic Johnson won, but have you heard of Matt Ishbia, president and CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage? I'm going to tell you how he has had the greatest impact on the Sparties of any other player. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. It's Matt Ishbias, president and CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage. And Matt, it is such a pleasure to have you on The Playbook. No, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you. You know, it's so interesting because I see so many great entrepreneurs, billionaires now. Uh, you know, in 1995, I was blessed to be part of uh, a Thomson Reuters merger for $3.4 billion. And in 1995, that was a big deal. Now it seems like a daily occurrence. But moreover, you know, you are a former athlete, a former coach. Uh, and I really, you know, for me, my, I was an average Division three football player. So you can imagine my athleticism. But it was the most important thing to my success off, off the field. To this day, law degree, business, everything that I've done, nothing compares to what I learned by playing those, you know, especially college sports. For you, how much of an impact did playing at Michigan State and coaching at Michigan State have on your success off the court? Yeah, no, it's a huge thing. Just like you described, if you play division one, two, three, you play in a team level uh, in a college sport, you are an elite athlete. So you don't, don't, don't knock yourself too much. You had to be a heck of a player. I know what that took. And so, but you know, there's so much more you can grab from college sports. And at the same time, that team atmosphere. And what I really try to do is channel a lot of the things I learned from Tom Izzo, Michigan state basketball and apply it to business. And it's really worked out great. You know, my time there, you know, I wasn't that great. I was a third string point guard end of the bench, walk on, eventually got a scholarship, but you know, I was on a national championship team. We went three final fours. I was around the best team in the country. Obviously that's because we won the championship, but around Tom Izzo and the team Cleves and star players, um, and I learned so much and, and so much of it translates. People think the sports and business translate hundred percent. It translates. If you're looking for it, if you just sit there and go through the motions, then you're just going to go through the motions like you do in life. But I looked for it and I applied it and it's been great. And to that matter, a lot of people discount our parents influence that gets reinforced by people like a Tom Izzo or the players that you got to play with. And for me, you know, my mom who I, you know, kind of scoffed at and laughed at was some of, uh, the work ethic lessons that she gave me, the attitude lessons, you know, she wouldn't let me come down to the breakfast table with a negative attitude. She'd make me turn around and same thing held true. You know, when I was playing uh, college football, the coach, you know, would talk about, hey, just keep playing, you know, be positive and, and the same lessons carry forward. You know, what seeds of your parents were reinforced from playing at Michigan State, playing on, look, it was one of the most dominant basketball teams in history, three out of four. I mean, besides UCLA and Tom Wooden days, Izzo's, uh, when you were playing there, th that's about as dominant in the most competitive, you know, and when you're talking about getting through, you know, with then the 64, uh, you know, it was difficult. You had to have not only be good, but you had to be consistently good to get there three out of four times and win once. Yeah, no, it was a great experience. You know, I think, you, like you said, you learn a lot from your parents. You learn a lot from, you know, people you know from friends, family, growing up. Uh, what you hit on, by the way, I think is the key to success is the positivity. 
you know, work ethic and attitude is everything, you know? So I reiterated with Tom Izzo was the work ethic. I saw my parents, my mom was a school teacher. My dad was an attorney every day, go to work. It was, it wasn't, you know, we went on a vacation, you know, once a year, but they're working all the time and they helped create a life for me and my brother. Um, and at the same time, you know, Izzo, you see his work ethic. And all of a sudden I learned, I said, wow, to be the best, you have to outwork everybody. You know, this guy's outworking everyone. He cares. He's in the weeds of his business. He's not sitting there delegating. Like he's down there, you know, watching film, talking to players, doing everything. And so all those things, work ethic is a big part. But you hit on positivity is something that's overlooked. It's a mindset. You know, the nice part about work ethic and attitude, like I'm not as smart as a lot of people. I didn't come from money. Like, But you know what I do? I can outwork anyone and I can have a positive attitude. I decide every day. And so it's mindset and it's a big difference. And I think that's what helped lead to a lot of successful people in life. And when you went to work for UWM, I think there was only about 12 employees. And what was your mindset uh, as you are now, you know, over 8,000, I think, employees listed on the New York Stock Exchange? You, you're, I mean, the size, scope and scale of what you do is incredible. But when you got out of college, it wasn't like you landed the best job in the world. But yet your mindset had to be a little bit different than most people when you come to a small mortgage company. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even know anything about mortgages. I just, I got to this company. I said, listen, how do I get better today than I was yesterday? And so I saw everyone leaving at five o'clock. I said, shoot, if I stayed up 630, they think I'm working hard, you know, coming a little early, stay a little late, asking questions, reading guidelines, learning the business. And then the concept was, how do I get a little better today from yesterday? How do I improve tomorrow? How do I keep getting better? And you do it over and over. You know, we turn from 12 people to almost, you know, a little bit over 9,000 people now, you know, and it's, and it's grown. It's been 18 years though. And so people don't realize it's not like I just started working hard. I, you know, I, I talk about getting the office four or five in the morning, being consistently outworking everyone, but that didn't start in 2021 when we got public, you know, it started in 2003 and nobody cared for the first 13 years when I was doing it. No one even noticed it. And so it takes a lot of work to get where you're at, to get to where you want to get to. And it's consistent. Like you said, the word consistent, you got to be consistent with great work ethic and great attitude. And even with consistent, persistent behavior, uh, the ability to pursue your own potential, which takes you, it's so funny because I talk about 17 and a half year is an overnight success. Mm -hmm. And 90% of our effort goes unnoticed, not just by everyone else, but by ourselves. So it takes a great belief and positive attitude to continue on consistently and persistently when we're not seeing the results that we want even, you know, because 90% of the effort just to get to 25% of the way there, then it keeps doubling to 50, then doubling to 100, then 200 as you are today. What were some of the things you utilized in the slow time? when there is no awareness and, you know, you don't see the end result, you're not attached to some outcome, you know, in college, you were getting the championships, but you know, what would you have done if, if you didn't make the, the tournament or you lost in the first round, what keeps you going when you don't see the results? Yeah, it's a great question. And so I talk about a lot of the, the little wins. And so for our company here, I was a sales rep for a, you know, a year, year and a half back in 2004. And I remember going come to our to our clients and trying to get them to do business with us. And basically they all threw me out of the office. Hey, we're comfortable. We don't need another lender. We're good. Kind of throw, you know, put, shut it. And what I had to do is I used to get rejected so often that you would think like, how do you stay positive? And what I had to change my mindset was getting them to sign up to, to do business with us and sending me business that's like a grand slam. That's not what I'm trying to get today. What my, I take the little wins, which I walked in, the receptionist said, no, Rob, he doesn't have time to meet with you. Sorry. Okay. I took it as a win. I found out the owner's name is Rob. That's a positive. That was a win today. I got to, you know, you got to take the little wins because if you focus on hitting a home run or grand slam every time you're going to be un, 
you're going to be not satisfied a lot of times. And so, you know, that was a big change mindset wise was that, Hey, take the little wins, enjoy the journey and realize that I'm getting an inch better or inch, find something good today. And then don't think of it as a failure and you'll find things you can improve on tomorrow. And so that's how I looked at, I think the little wins and that's what's helped get us to where I didn't have this big lofty goals of where I wanted to be, where I'm at today. It was get better today, get this one client to send me one loan and they get two and they get this client to send me one. It was constantly, you know, evolving the business. And as you evolve that business, you ended up leading the business. And, you know, one of the things about being a great salesperson, which that attitude and consistency apply to is sometimes when you get into a managerial position that not only do we lose a great salesperson, but we end up with a horrible manager or executive. Uh, you've been able to transition as you were from player to coach, from salesperson into executive. What were some of the challenges that you face for being an executive uh, instead of just a producer? Yeah. So, you know, I got a chance to, at UWM to be sales, but I also was in operations. I kind of did a little bit of all these jobs. So I kind of had a good view of everything, but it's a big difference. A lot of people think, oh, if you're a leader, you make the your best salesperson, your sales leader, your best ops person, your ops leader. It's not the same thing. And so what we talked about was what are the leadership traits you need? And so for me, I had to realize what am I great at and what I'm not great at and what I got to improve at. And even if I'm great at it, I got to get a lot better at it to get to where I want to be. And it's all about leadership, coaching people and spreading positivity. And so we have how we do it behaviors, which are leadership behaviors that I have all of my leaders here. We have about 850 leaders now at our company that lead people. And it's all about how do you teach people to get the best version of themselves? So I got to be the best version of myself and I got to get you to be the best version of yourself. And Tom Izzo was great at that at Michigan State. He didn't treat me and like, okay, Ishbia, I need you to dunk the ball because you know what? I couldn't dunk, you know? So, but if the ball was on the floor, I better dive and he'd get after me to be my best version of Matt Ishbia. Not the Jason Richardson or Mateen Cleaves or Charlie Bell version, just the Matt Ishbia version. And so that's a big thing in leadership is you realize that not everybody is you. Get them to be the best version of themselves and then you get a great team around you. And you talk about corporate offense. Uh, and you wrote a book, Running the Corporate Offense, Lessons in Effective Leadership from the Bench to the Boardroom. What are some of the components of that corporate offense that you put into place and have taken from all the athletic endeavors and pursuits that you've had? And now you've implemented this corporate offense at UWM as well. Yeah, well, it's a big part of it is tied to culture and team. And so this family environment. So when you're a player, you're an athlete, just like I was, you know, you miss that that, that, that locker room feel, that guys caring about each other. You know, a lot of times in corporate America, you walk into an office, you sit in your cube, you do your job, you go home. And there's no camaraderie. It's like, hey, how things go? Like, it's not that family environment. And that's, that, that's not what I wanted to be a part of. And so the culture and the family feel is a big part of it. And that's, that's a big part of running the offense. You got to get people that you like being around and people that want to be around you and you care about them and they care about you. And so finding out what my people that worked at my company actually cared about. And you know what that was? It wasn't Matt. It wasn't UWM. They cared about their family, which makes sense. They cared about opportunity to grow. And so I had to deliver that to them and create this environment where they had opportunity to grow and be successful and get home. And so you do these things and that's a big part of it. And so running the corporate offense is just about, it's about culture as it is X's and O's. And the other thing I'd like to add is, you know, it's not just, you know, I'm the CEO, you know, like I've got 9,000 people. I'm in the weeds of everything that we do here. There's no decisions that are of any, like I'm involved. I understand what our, our ops, I understand what our welcome associates people to answer for. I understand what our security, like I have to be in the weeds of the business because if I'm in the weeds, they all have to be in the weeds themselves and everyone cares about the details. And if you take care of the details, the big picture takes care of itself. But yet 
in that big picture, especially you're talking about a very old industry, an industry that had to be rethought, uh, still has to be re-engineered just because of the pace in which you know, we're changing. And I'm not just talking about COVID, I'm talking about just the extraordinary technology that's occurred, the general public's culture of the mortgage industry and how it works with beamortgagebroker.com, findamortgagebroker.com, 1-800-BROKERS, all the innovations that you have, but yet it's still mortgage and it still has the same basic blocking and tackling. What has allowed you to have, including crypto, you know, this great vision uh, that has allowed you to grow at an exponential rate compared to your competitors that obviously had equal to or greater opportunity during the same period of time. Yeah, no, obviously, and there's a lot of great competitors. We're competing every day, and you know, you got to be relentless to beat them every single day. And they're coming after us, just like we're trying to be better. But here's how I think about the industry because nobody, like, it's a weird business. I, I have a 9,000 person company, mortgage is our product. And I don't know anyone in the world that's ever woken up and said, I want a mortgage today. Like, nobody wants a mortgage, they want the house. They want the savings, the refinance, or they want the cash out. Nobody wants a mortgage. And so if they don't want your product, you better make it faster, easier, and cheaper. And so all of our innovations and technology is about faster, easier, cheaper. And so we really believed in like the findamortgagebroker.com. You know, the best way to get a mortgage is not to your big bank or to big, like you got to go to a find, a, find a local person and they will shop on your behalf and save you a lot of money. And our perspective was that was different. Everyone thought, oh, cut out the middleman. Well, not in mortgages, because in mortgage, you cut out the middleman, you spend more. And so- we had to make our products faster, easier, cheaper, make a mortgage where you can close it in 15, 16 days compared to the industry average of 45 or 50, lower rates than the industry average, like do the best job of it, and then people will follow. And that's kind of how it's worked. And that's why we've created some of these innovations, different websites, and like you said, one in our brokers, places you can call. And we set you up. By the way, the interesting thing about those websites, our business is if we help you find, you don't even have to work with UWM. We find a mortgage broker, they might send it to our biggest competitor. That's okay, because if it's best to the end consumer, it will end up being best for UWM in the long run. Yeah, well, Michigan has a great reputation and legacy in the mortgage business, that's for sure. Some of the greats like you and another guy that I know have done really well. But one of the things that uh, motivated me too is my coach uh, when I played, um, and I was blessed to run the most notable sports agency in the world and have both my college coaches, head coach and defensive coordinator who uh, I considered the troll when I played for him, probably the hardest individual that brought the most out of me. I always say the greatest coaches may not even know uh, the game as well as you, but they know how to bring the best out of you. And this is what this guy did. But I was honored, uh, you know, to be later on in my career, to be able to have them respect what I had achieved. Uh, how important it is for you, for Coach Izzo, I know you're the, made the largest single commitment to the MSU basketball program, I think, in history, which must have felt really good. I know when I was capable of giving back to my high school, college, and graduate schools that, you know, it was probably one of the biggest achievements to be able to provide opportunities to kids like myself that didn't have those opportunities. But how did it feel, you know, to have the great Tom Izzo and your father, you know, there to see this ultimate culmination of the lessons and values and character that they've created. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a big deal. Like, as you said, when you give back, you obviously want to make an impact on people, people that maybe were less fortunate or aren't able to have the same opportunity. So help people that's first, but second, and a really close second is it feels really good to give back and have the people that you respect so much that you wanted your, their approval. I wanted approval from my father. And of course, you know, Tom is playing. Like, I wanted him to see that I'm doing great. And to see that validation and have him see that, that's a big deal too. You want people to realize that, hey, not only did you do a great job, you took the things you learned 
and you, and then now you're doing even better as in like, you're doing good by the community or whether it's Michigan state or other things I do charitably. Like I love making an impact on people. And I love that people that have made an impact on me know that I'm doing good things. And so exactly what you described, it's an important feeling. And uh, when I was able to give that $32 million to Michigan state, that was a really positive thing. And, and, you know, Izzo was appreciative and, you know, the athletic directors and the president, and it was a really good feeling. Cause I, I started there as just a student, like everybody else. Yeah, and all my Sparty friends are sitting there saying, thank goodness for you, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, last thing real quick, you've been around some, what I call the spirit of excellence. The MSU program, your business, I'm sure many mentors within the context of mortgage itself, and now you are a mentor to so many. Um, I have many of these golden nuggets, and I'd love for you to share maybe one of your favorite lessons, either from your father or Coach Izzo or anyone else, that is applicable as you bring on more and more brokers, you know, what's that one lesson that you love or, or one mantra that you love to share? Yeah. So I'll give you two of them. Uh, one is, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. People always say, Oh, you got luck. You got that. Yeah. Well, if I show up at 4am every single day for like 15 years, good things are usually going to happen because I've been here working all day, coming up with ideas, right? The harder you work, the luckier you get is how I think about that. My father used to say that to me and I really respect it and appreciate it. The other thing that I think is not done enough in business is focus on success and winning. Money follows success. I had no goals of being a billionaire. I had no goals of doing X millions of dollars of business. No goals. I focused on winning. I wanted that client to submit loans to us. I want to get this person to join my company. I focused on winning. Focus on success and money will follow. Too many people look at return on investment. If I invest this much, how much do I got to get back? How about you just go do the right thing? And that's kind of ties to a philosophy I learned from my father, and which was do what's right by others with no expectation, anything in return. So just do right by people, help people out and good things will come back your way. And, and I think too many people think, oh, if I spend $2,000 on this, what am I getting back for it? That's not how we think about it. We focus on go do the right thing. Go focus on winning, build your business and money will follow. Money follows success, not the other way around. That is for sure. There's another Michigan State basketball player that said something similar. And I think we're gonna have to start calling you Matt magic ishbia because magic believes in the exact same thing of being of service or value to others and doing the right thing and of course as you know from the history at michigan state he was the first one in the last one to leave his entire career uh, as you are i'm sure today still the first one in the last one to leave well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.